I think I want to try to do a podcast. A what? What's that? Well, I, well, I talk about what I do during the day and maybe conversations. Oh, because I never heard that term. So what do you put it on the internet? Yeah. Yeah, too bad I don't have it. I never heard that term before. Have what is the, the name again? A podcast. Podcast. P-O-T? P-O-D-C-A-S-T. All right. I never heard that term. This is The Mild Adventures of Fred Stoller. I'm Fred Stoller. That was my mother. She doesn't have the internet or know what a podcast is. Uh, she wouldn't let my father have high-speed internet his last few years. She goes, what do you need it for? So, I is there music? So this is the I I don't know what a podcast is. I'm learning. This is the part where they do plugs. So my plug, because it's connected to my guest, is my Kindle single called My Seinfeld Year about my tumultuous, isolating, dizzying stint as a staff writer for one year on the show Seinfeld. No, it really wasn't that bad. You're doing a whole woe is me thing. I'm just saying. Okay, well, that's Sam Cass. No, okay, well, all right, let me introduce people. Sam Cass wrote on with, with me. Amber Tozer is a writer, and she's great. Charles Zucker, I know through the 80s. I and watched he, Seinfeld. He watched Seinfeld. <laughs> well, okay, let me, let me straighten some I things didn't. out. Sam, yes. I'm not, I'm not, what's not, people misinterpret. I know it's part of your shtick. No, whole. no, I'm not, I'm not saying what was me. I'm. This was the experience of what it's like writing on Seinfeld. I'm going to pat myself on the back that I think that was the first kind of chronicling that people could get a lot of that what it's like there. So I wasn't saying it was awful. No, I was the part book of TV was great. History. The book was entertaining. But I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. what was me. A lot of people, no, do think I'm saying that. And the same thing with my book. The book, Maybe We'll Have You Back, The Life of a Perennial TV Guest Star. Some people say... I feel bad. I, I'm in no way saying, look at my life. I'm just saying, this is what it's like if you're not, you know, um, whoever, uh, Brad Pitt or the guys on Parks and Recreation, you know. <laughs> Brad Pitt or the guys on Parks. I can't think of other references to successful regulars. Ray Romano, this is the quirky. And I just said what it's like being, so how did you get the woe is me? It was dizzying and I don't puzzling know. I and isolating. In the dark. I don't know. I don't <laughs> well, know he I didn't read it. He didn't read it. Yeah. I mean, I, what do you mean? I, I read it. Okay, so uh, all right, I'm getting defensive, but I'm clarifying. I didn't read it. What'd you say? <laughs> no, no. All right. Could you maybe, read it to us? Maybe he didn't like the adjectives dizzying, puzzling, isolating. Would you agree? Well, it but was you that? had a guy who you referred to as Perry in the book. Okay. Well, let's 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 go back a little bit. Okay, please. <clears throat> so, I um. Now, Charles, now, Charles, again, I know from a lot of people in the 80s, were you at the Steve Scrovan surprise birthday party where I got the writing job or the one year? Yeah, I actually was. The I actually remember when Larry Dave and you were talking and you were talking about getting girls. Right. So basically backtracking for, um, I, I don't want to be presumptuous, go, hey, for the listeners, because I've done these things where it's in someone's apartment and the kid is throwing things. And I go, why did I? take my day to go to this thing. He goes, all right, what do you want to plug for the listeners? Ooh, Sharon Stone may sue us. Sharon Stone's not listening to this. So I don't want to be that pompous guy. Go, all right, for the listeners. But I'm going to pretend there are that, that want to learn. Okay, so in the 80s, I, I did stand up with people like Gilbert Gottfried, Larry David, um, Seinfeld, and, and, and I knew Larry David. Uh, actually, I was there when he said, Hey, let's, uh, <laughs> I'll be doing this voice a lot. Hey, let's see who could go the longest without masturbating, but you got to be honest. So I'm not saying I was part of the, um, what was the episode called? Competition. The, the competition or I the contest. I watched it. Oh, was it? The contest. All right, I quit. But I, I was there. So, so Larry, I'm guessing, kind of was, right, I'm not doing what was me, but abusive because maybe self-hating. And I'm, he goes, you're, you're a Jew from Brooklyn. You're doomed. He goes, so he would always kind of, you know what I mean, say, so we're, all right. So Steve Scrovan, who you know, and mm -hmm. he went on to do really well as a uh, writer-producer on Raymond all nine years. So he had a surprise birthday party with a lot of... He had a surprise birthday party every year. His wife would throw him a surprise party every year. Really? Yeah. 
Okay. For about four years running. All right, all right. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, there's something wrong with Steve, and he 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 would forget. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He'd always fall for it. So okay, so we have a bunch of guys from the New York comedy scene, and and so Larry came a little later because you know I don't have to go surprise, uh, stupid. <laughs> so so he's there going. When's the last time you got laid? And and I said I'm hoping that someone will say. Hey, I like Fred, and it's mutual. That's never going to happen to you. He goes, you're, you're, you're a pathetic loser. No one will. And Mike Rowe attested that he said, no one will love you. You, you, you know. So he would kind of say, you know, he liked. Uh, I don't know. Did he uh, have a, a mirror in his house? I, again, it's self-hating because he was. He's nice to the, uh, as they say, the Goyim on Seinfeld, the ones yeah. that don't remind him of him. Right. You that's, know, that's a good point. Because if he, if he was in the other way, he goes, oh, these are Harvard writers, you know. But then they were his best friends. So okay, so um. So what happened at this party was people were going up to him with their Seinfeld ideas. And this was 1994, and everybody in the world had a Seinfeld premise. They, they go, I got an idea. I got out of a cab. You know what I'm saying? Everyone thought they had it. When you wrote on staff, you probably, everyone you ran into goes, Sam, I got a great idea for Seinfeld. Okay, what is it? Um, I was nervous when I had to... Uh, Cook. Uh, I basically said I don't care. Right. But everyone, so he goes, so someone said, did you read my spec script? And again, for the people who don't know what that is, that, that's how you try to get writing jobs by writing a sample. Like now everyone writes a modern family. Not to get staffed on modern family, but to show... So I said, I don't like the idea of writing something you know won't get done. When you're writing, you want that fantasy. Oh, this is going to... He goes, write one. Nothing will happen, but I will read it. So twice he stressed nothing will happen. But then I thought, I got to try this because there's people that would kill to have Larry David in 1994 read their Seinfeld spec script. So so, so I... Uh, this was in 94. I'm teaching history. You didn't have YouTube where you could just watch every Seinfeld thing, you know what I mean, and get ideas. So I tracked down some scripts, and uh, George Kalfa, who's really good with computers, helped me on something called ASAR that wasn't even a computer, format the thing, and I put two more emphasis. So long story short, he calls me, I want to be on staff. And, 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 <laughs> and so basically, it's sort of like, uh, what's his name I'm doing also, um, Jackie Mason. But, but at the time... Um, they were eating up and spitting out a lot of, uh, what's it called, uh, comedians. So I knew it wasn't like, hey, I'm in, because the year before, Steve Scrovan, John Heyman, these are all guys, stand-ups. Bill Masters. Bill Masters and Bob Shore spent a dizzying, isolating, <laughs> puzzling season. You know what happened Scrovan the year after that? What's that? He ended up doing warm-up. Remember? Yeah, he did warm-up during Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. And Skip the part over where Larry gave you dating advice at the party. What was the day? He said, surround yourself with women, Ton hundreds and hundreds of women. Sooner or later, one of them will crack. <laughs> well, I don't remember that. Uh, I don't remember that. That's I was just advice. more like, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad I did this because now I'm going to use that. So basically, it was, see, a lot of sitcoms, a uh, guy we saw with Mike Rowe, he fantasized he'd watch Rob Petrie uh, and wanted to sit around a writer's table. I never had that fantasy. So it was just, ooh, and I just, uh, just, is there a paper towel? Aaron, I spilled water. But, but we can't stop because someone's coming after us. No one's electrocuted. Uh, good news. Uh, you're an idiot, I told you. Larry Day would be yelling at me. So Okay, so Sam, how did you find... Okay, all, all right, so let me just say that I got there early to Radford Studios. I'm cleaning up the water, and uh, hopefully this is a studio. Please support All Things Comedy. <laughs> they do podcasting. They built a studio, and I just ruined it. Okay, so, so basically... And we're done. So when I got there, you were the first one I saw. You got there early, and I didn't know you. Right. And I'm waiting and waiting, and I, I thought you had to dress up. I had a, you know, a, a shirt with a belt, and Jerry kept ribbing me. Hey, Fred, you got a belt. Hey, And then I stopped wearing the belt for, like, the first three weeks. Hey, Fred, where's your belt? You know, because they knew I was a—you can't say the word— 
socially retarded anymore, but that's how they treated me. All right. So how did you I'm end glad, up? Glad you can't say that anymore. I know. Yeah. How did you end up sitting there, and what were your expectations being staffed on Seinfeld? Um, I got there because of his wife. Laurie David. Laurie David. The, you did a the, famed, the famed environmentalist. Right. Slash cook. I don't know what she's doing now. She's okay. saving the earth. And I, I think she's saving money. I think, oh, okay. uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, I was making a movie in New York, uh, The Search for One-Eyed Jimmy at the time, and she had a, she was still a producer at that time. She had a production deal over at Fox, mm-hmm. and whatever little clips I had floating around of that film, she had seen. Wow. And she came to New York and signed me to a pilot deal with mm-hmm. her. And she, I didn't know anything about Seinfeld. I didn't know anything. I was, like, still driving a cab part-time and, like, trying to make this movie and writing plays and the whole thing. And Where did you drive a cab? In New York City. Car service or no, regular cab? No, yellow cab. Because I'm from Brooklyn, and I know there's a lot of... Gypsies. You no, know, those car services, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. No, okay. I was very legit. All right. <laughs> Pre-Uber. All right, all right. Yeah. So she, uh, she came to town and... and you know, gave me this big pitch about a pilot. I didn't know what a pilot meant. I didn't know the difference between Fox and 20th Century, the studio and the network. She was trying to explain to me the difference. Well, we'll take it to the studio. And I said, well, I wait, wait, know. this was going to be a pilot based on one on Jimmy? Or yeah, just... yeah. Okay. she wanted to do that. And, um, you know, so she signed me to this deal. She brought me out here. We so- went over to Fox, and she dragged me in to meet Peter Roth, who was running the studio wow. at the time. And I pitched, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I pitched this thing and said, oh, we love this. We're doing it. Wow. I'm going into production in three weeks. Wow. And, and then she told Larry that you're going to be our guardian angel in this project. So she dragged him over here to, to super, oversee your pilot. To oversee it. And he, well, I don't know. So he didn't want to be there. So there was. Well, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, if you want me to do it. Yeah, so there Is that was a like. Good Larry impression? It's good. Okay. There was like three nights prior to shooting where he had to discuss with me whether or not we should have a bee flying in the room before the. Uh, <laughs> well, before you the think end. you need. Oh, I gotta stop. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, you know, thanks to his help and thanks to Laurie insisting on using Lou Schneider in the lead, it became probably the worst pilot in the history of the 20th century. I, <laughs> I got it's made and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It got made. I've had five pilots made. Okay. No, no. I'm not amazed. I, I didn't. You got to do your research. Come on. All right. Come on, Fred. I, I, I actually bumped into Jeff Garland's wife um, getting a haircut the Marla. other day. Marla. Marla. Yeah. And this, this things I didn't put together. I when I lived in New York City for about seven minutes, I had an agency agent called Cass and Wu. I didn't even realize that was your brother. Not Wu. <laughs> Kratkas and Wu. Yeah, but he wasn't Wu. Right. That's yeah. the <laughs> Chinese lady. Yeah. And th- they got me an audition for one of the Police Academy movies, and I didn't get it. But she was telling me that your father was a renowned acting teacher with Steve Buscemi. Buscemi. Yeah, he, he, he was actually, he started the NYU theater program. Wow. So he, when he was there for like 25 years. And he, he started he was, the theater. Well, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. To, Fred, did you big, see Steve Buscemi? Do stand up when you were? Yeah, yeah. I he was um, in my movie, you know. He was. Yeah, that's yeah, why Steve was in it. Yeah, I I used to actually Steve used to call himself Stephen Buse as a stand up, and he would take. He was skinnier than me. His he, he was would, a fireman too at the same. Oh yeah. yeah, and was he a skinny fight? Wow, he was yeah. a skinny fireman. And he would take his shirt off and make muscles was his act. And Keenan Ivory Waynes used to run. Tuesday nights, and would just put him up to laugh at how skinny he was. And he did one show. You know the song, The Wanderer? I'm the type of guy, did it because I'm a rapist. So <laughs> impolitically correct. He, he did another joke. Maybe I'll get sued by Steve Buscemi. He goes, you know what I noticed about those fags? They're all gay. <laughs> but, see, that was okay that back was then. Act? Yes, bad. It was, uh, then he became a performance artist. And yes. You see, I, I remember. He had a partner. Yeah, Mark June Boone, you know? yes. yeah, 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 who was on Sons of Anarchy. But then I saw Steve in um, that Nick Nolte uh, uh, trilogy with Martin Scorsese, where he's a performance artist. And oh, he... yeah, New York Stories. Yeah. That's the first time I had seen him since stand-up days. So you knew him from the improv, too? I had some other club. Like, he would go on, and he, I guess he didn't have the stomach for it. He just didn't like being a late-night comic. And... <laughs> how, long did he, how long was he a stand-up for? Not very long. 
maybe under a year, I'm guessing. He did one thing about he was adopted. I don't remember, remember that? that. Oh, yeah. Mama, daddy, adopted. Right. And he, yeah. he was on a wrestling team in high school, and his father would yell out, that's not my boy. Right, right. <laughs> now he's a great guy. I've bumped into him since, and uh, he, he's a great guy. And so, yeah, so your father taught, Steve went to NYU? Theater? No, not Steve. Okay. He didn't go there. I was just going along with you on that because it was made for a good story, but he wasn't <laughs> okay. part of NYU. Well, anyway, I did, I did, I did research, and I, uh, I know you did a pilot at Artie Lang. So yes. So, so Artie was a day and a half out of rehab. Which and, time? So that went well, exactly. So that went well. Wow. Yeah. And As you might imagine. So was he grumpy or sleepy? <laughs> he was one of the other dwarves. Oh. <laughs> Doc. He. Uh, <laughs> Dopey and beyond. <laughs> Dopey. Nice guy. Very yeah, nice yeah, guy, yeah. but timing was probably not really good. So right. me and you were the two staff writers that sort of fell into it. And it wasn't our dream. Like, you know, I was so stupid. Not Wait, stu- did you write a spec script, too? No. Oh, okay. They so you did nothing on? Seinfeld? No. I didn't know what it was. I just remember my mother telling me, like, a couple of years earlier, like, she's a voodoo lady or something she said you know i saw this show you're going to end up writing for it one day i was living in a tenement in brooklyn she said i said what show she said seinfeld she said you're going to write for that show it came to me last night wow Uh, wow i said all right mom and uh, so 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 i guess i answering my question you didn't have she's available you want to meet her i have moved her out here and she's at a salvation army are you kidding fifth street in santa monica you You can come by no i'm not i am very serious you can come by any day you want wait 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 wait. get your email and i'm gonna get your information please come by and she does psychic readings no fred but maybe she might have a came to her that that I oh I didn't know why greeting. why is Me. that so not absurd considering everything else we're talking yeah, about why spot on I'm gonna go visit her oh. yeah. let's go visit her we'll do the podcast yes we'll bring the yes podcast to her. Oh, absolutely okay. you have to bring it to her she doesn't get around well anymore oh. so I broke both her legs <laughs> <laughs> so uh, answering my question you didn't have expectations because you didn't know what Seinfeld was not only did I not have expectations. I didn't give up my apartment, the tenement apartment in New York. I didn't unpack. I figured, you know, I'd be back in three weeks. Like, but then I spoke to other people who also said the same thing, that you, like, you, you hold on to your stuff. You don't oh, know yeah. you're going to be here. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, do, I, do you still have the place in New York? Uh, I No. But it's funny. Uh, I did hold it for quite some time. You know, until the landlord said, you know what, you can't get away with paying $250 anymore. It's, the, it's 2012 now. You know, so it's like I lost it then. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Oh, nice. So basically, do you remember the first day Larry, like, points to offices, you got that one, you got that one, you got that I one. I do remember that. Do you yeah. remember the whole snafu with the parking spots? Do you remember what I ended up with? No. Because they did it in sort of a pecking order. Yes, I remember that the first spot was Larry's, the second was Jerry's, then it was Shapiro All right. West. Well, here's the thing. Okay. They painted the names on there, right, in the beginning? Yeah. And it was supposed to be Shapiro and West. Right. But it went Larry, Jerry, and then me <laughs> when I arrived there. And I didn't know that. I said, okay, good, I'm, I'm pulling in. And Shapiro and West went crazy. They went fucking nuts. Because they, they, they should be next to Jerry and yeah, Larry. of course. And God forbid those fat bastards should walk an extra four steps. <laughs> right? Because it's like it was such a long walk from the, from the spot to the building. So they had a re- paint over Sam Cass. Yeah. So, you know, gradually I started getting moved. So then I got moved to the fourth spot and somebody else complained. And by the time this whole shit was over, I was on Ventura Boulevard. I mean, was like on a meter. I remember that for a long time I had an 88 Toyota Corolla. And I'm dropping Keenan Ivory Wayne's name again because I'm from New York and I never had a car when I moved to L.A. in 88. You have a license? Yeah, yeah. And I remember Keenan said, he goes, buy a new car, make payments. Why? He goes, they're going to see someone like you. They're going to say, the thermostat, do you need the term permit? Make something up. I go, ah, they go, we got a sucker. He goes, buy a new one, make the payments. And I bought a, a hat. But I remember even in, in 94, it was becoming an old shitty car. And I remember just driving back and passing Larry and he just shaking. So there's a schmuck in the car. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, there was a time like two or three weeks into that whole year, yeah. basically, and somehow peer pressure got to Larry. Remember when he came? Oh, I remember this story. Wait, he, he he thought he should buy. Was it a, a Ferrari Porsche, or a Porsche. Maserati? No, a Porsche. Like right. 
So he comes with the Porsche. The Porsche shows up. He and I, because his wife was mentoring me, she put me with his business manager, his agent, his manager. You know, like I needed all this shit, right? So I was paying like 93% in commissions, you know, by the time <laughs> yeah. I was done. <laughs> and, um, and so the manager brings the Porsche. He wanted a Porsche, just like Jerry. So yeah, maybe I should get one. All right, okay, so stuff. everyone's looking at it and kissing his ass. And, oh, what a car, Larry. You're going to love it. And I'm looking inside the car. It's automatic transmission. <laughs> and I go to him, that's automatic. He said, yeah, so? I said, I said you look like a fag. You can't drive that. <laughs> I, he said, well, what are you talking about? And went back two days later. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I thought the story did he, was... Did he get another one? Which, no, no. Uh, no, I, th oh, I didn't know it was because of you. I thought... Everything's because of me, Fred. Okay. Yeah. I thought the story was that he was driving it. And then he goes, they're looking at the Jew, the bald-headed, middle-aged Jew, and they're looking at that's me. Why, that was his public response. I see. I sh I, I uh, and then he lost shamed, shamed him. him. But then, he, but then, as well, was, you should have. Well, who drives a Porsche with automatic? What's the point? I mean, no, yeah. What's the point then? <laughs> I didn't know that part of the yeah, story. so I appeared in everyone else. You know, I that whole Harvard course. mafia. They were going, "Oh, it's great! It's great! It's great!" I didn't learn the rules of ass kissing. You know, I failed miserably. You know like, what? I should have kept my mouth shut. Didn't he like it? Sometimes people like that. People well, kiss their ass a lot. On, and on the surface, he seemed it. to like it. And oh yeah. Well, and, you know what? One time he said know. to me. I don't know. One time he had some empathy. He goes, oh, "I see you don't fit in. I see." Because the way to show most sitcoms, you have a table, and I would fare bad with that because aggressive, you know, writers like Jeopardy screaming out questions and talking over each other. Seinfeld was the other extreme where you go in your office and you have to come up with a Jerry, Larry, Kramer, and Elaine story, and no one's helping you because they're trying to get their own uh, stories done. So I'm walking around, and you can't write anything until Jerry and Larry approve this. So the first six weeks, it was pre-production. It wasn't so hard because you, you could try to find them. But then they did everything, rewrote, casting, editing. So one time I, I, I made the mistake. I tried out one of my premises on one of the guys. to go, that's pretty good. So then I started outlining it. And he goes, what the fuck are you doing? I didn't say that's good. I go, well, uh, you know. So, but, so you can't do anything. So I would just nap, play pinball, walk across the street, you know, just because uh, you get yelled at if you start writing something. With, but they, I couldn't find them. One time I stood outside their office for an hour trying to wait for it to open to, to, to approve something and these two young guys very aggressive went in right in front of me and they got their idea approved and the door shut all right and then i was so exhausted that i went to my office and napped i went in there once after similar situation like after the first few weeks where he had it and i finally said to him listen i didn't come across the fucking country with this i got i'm writing today i'm starting <laughs> i'm writing you can use it you don't have to use wow. it wow you know i don't give a fuck i really didn't i i, I had guaranteed this. money and, uh, and I really didn't care. I mean, a terrible attitude. Don't get me wrong. I had a, it was like, I don't advise this <laughs> if you want to continue on and not end up doing podcasts in here with him. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's what happened. And, and he, he responded favorably to that. And no, he yeah. did let me, you know, start to write. But I think he looked at me curiously. To say the least. Were you guys friends? Were you? Would you guys talk? Would you Sam and I? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Sam was the only one I really bonded with because he—you could tell. I, I don't want to say two it. Jews well, from Brooklyn. Well, just <laughs> more of a misfit because the thing. This is. I'm going to make a statement no, don't about call you. me a misfit. All right. Well, All right. Come no. On. Okay. I'm a, not a. Come on. Oh, no, not like me. He considers misfit. I mean, a loner. Okay. This is what I want to say. I'll go with that. A loner. Okay. No, you're not a misfit. No. I'll go with that. You're a regular guy. I'm very regular. Okay. You're just a now more than ever. You're a preppy guy. Yes. You know, exactly. that goes, yeah, all right. Me. So, no, yes. this is what I want to say. Tell me if you guys find this. I grew up, as opposed to Sam, a misfit, a loner. I wasn't a nerd. Nerds are cool now. They do gadgets and they know pop culture. So I went into showbiz thinking I'd be with other misfits like me, but it's all regular guys. And the thing I learned is, I'm not going to say anything brilliant, people like being with their own kind. I'm not bitter about Harvard. Harvard kind of guys know them. Gritty Nick DiPaolo guys, you know, testosterone Colin Quinn guys like each other. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so so people are comfortable with their own kind so much. So, so you, you had Gilbert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know me with Gilbert and, yeah. and weirdos. So, so, I'm, so, I, so I find in showbiz 
people, they're regular guys casting people, writers, actors, sure. and I'm a weirdo. So, so you're not a weirdo, but you have empathy. Okay, but so were you I, a, I'm building this up. I do have empathy. Yes, yes. So I would come, I would just stagger into his office, go... And I had a damn good office, didn't I? You, well, I'll tell you something about your office. You were the most visible office, was right... The only time the I mean, writers right ever... Right in the middle of everything. The only time the writers ever were together as a group was lunch. And you were right by the lunch table. And it's funny, my friend Joel in Brooklyn, he loves lives vicariously through my food. So he'll go... He loves the free food. What lunch did you get? So we'd always get like a remember a bag from Louise's or food was great. corner bakery. Food was great. Yes. Yeah, so he, I, and this is what a wimp I am. I was so afraid of making trouble that I would back before cell phones and unlimited calls. I would use a phone call from my Seinfeld office billion dollar thing because I'm afraid they're going to get mad at me. You're calling Brooklyn, so <laughs> so I would call him to tell what lunches I got. And do you remember this one time, Larry? I used their FedEx <laughs> box. I was mailing shit all over the country. I had nothing to send, and I was just mailing stuff. Yeah, everything <laughs> was like there. So like so, randomly <laughs> sending shit all over America. So I remember one time, Larry goes, you know, let's have fat free. Who's into fat free from now on? And everyone raised their hand because no one's going to say no to Larry. So it's the shittiest food. Do you remember? Yeah, it was shitty. I raised my hand, but I got ignored. I mean, I didn't want the fat free. Yeah. So basically, so the thing about Sam's office is when when the Seinfeld season got more and more into like there's nothing for you to do. Because unless you get a story approved, there was no tables, no punch-ups, no groups. He'd start leaving early and early. And I'd see that door <laughs> shut. So sometimes it's at three at three o'clock that Sam's office is shut. He's done. Sometimes he'd come in and it was earlier and earlier that door is shut. And you know what? I was at the time I was using a typewriter. Drugs? Oh, what you call drugs? Yeah, drugs and a typewriter. You were using drugs, yeah. And and what I started doing was I started booking other jobs. Well, I was there. Well, that was a smart thing. See, this is what I was saying. I was I was writing pilots, and he came in once. And he said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm working on my pilot," and you could hear the echoing from the. Uh, <laughs> so how did you How did you know what to work on? Did you Did they say you're writing this? No, no. Okay, let me let me set it up. Okay, basically, <laughs> like I said. It wasn't like, like let's say another sitcom would be you sit around the table and they they come up with story ideas. Charles, you write the one about the uh, bisexual party. You write the one, Amber, about Twitter account. You know what I mean? This, this one, like I said, you had to pitch for storylines. And until they were all approved, you couldn't do anything. And then when you got four storylines approved, you had to bring him in his office and show on the board Okay, no, no, have Banya come in earlier. No, he wouldn't do that. So, so, so you had to have everything by Larry. So no one, there was no committee. So like I said, I was staggering around trying to get my second script approved, and I couldn't find them, or I couldn't, or, you know what I mean, I would run out of story ideas. So there was no, on, on what's it called, tape nights, I used to th say we were like cows. You know, they go, moving on to Jerry's apartment, and we'd all walk like a herd of cattle, moving on, and we weren't doing anything. Jerry and Larry never said, well, guys, what do you think? They would, you know what I mean, even my own script right. when it got done. So there was nothing to do except, like I said, I'd nap. Once I snuck out to a movie, played a lot. Let me ask you, do they mix and match people's storylines? Like if they liked your Jerry story, they liked his Kramer story? Uh, Occasionally they would do that, and then it became. And do you remember how it used to become an issue about credit, too? Yeah, yeah, because you know obviously you wanted your name on the script. Eventually, some one of them. Now I, I didn't mention his name in the book because uh, that didn't say anything scandalous or libelous. Whatever the Not word this is. Not time. No. No. Uh, <laughs> but there was a guy. He pretended to be my mentor. Dude, man, bro. He said bro a lot. This is nom, but I'll see you through it. So then he'd go. He'd say, Fred, I know how to read Larry. And I'll tell you when it's, it's okay to pitch an idea. Because if you pitch an idea, it could be the best idea. If Laz in a bad mood, that idea shot down. I went, okay. So then I'd be going. He goes, not a good time, bro. Not a good time. <laughs> so I, so I, like an idiot, I listened to this guy. Then I tell him ideas that were good. He goes, I'm very concerned about that, that idea, bro. And then I heard that when I finally did my uh, script... You know, at the table read, he'd go, bro, you hit it at a park. Then he went to Sam's office and the worst table read ever. The most two-faced, manipulative nut. So, so basically, um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, yeah. So 
What was the story you said? Now, the, the, the comedian we started with, sadly, was fighting cancer that year, Marjorie Gross. Yeah, yeah. And, um, oh, yeah, so with Bruce. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what was the thing with Larry? Could you tell that story? Which one? When you said, oh, Larry had a, Marjorie had a relapse. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I just, I had the office next to her. Uh-huh. And I heard her on the phone with her oncologist. Uh -huh. and I guess they called her and said, I mean, there ain't nothing funny about this. <clears throat> no, I'm not saying so. it's a funny story. No, well, it's sort of funny. But. Okay. <laughs> Um, Marjorie was funny. Mm -hmm. She was a nice, nice woman too. Mm -hmm. Wait, did you work? Oh, I just know her from stand up. We we did oh. stand up in the eighties together, Charles. And uh, oh, you just you watched Seinfeld. I watched. And her. he knew he knew those guys, Scrovan. Like I said, he was at the surprise birthday party where I got the job. <laughs> and uh, and um, thanks for coming, Charles. Yeah. No, I wanna I wanna talk to everyone too now. Did you have a, a staff writing jobs? Did you have anything like either too aggressive vibe or the isolating thing? Well, I uh, I was on more sitcoms than I wrote for. Uh huh. As an and actor, I was, I was an actor once where they were I was sort of a, a, a one of those breakout characters. Uh huh. And it was going. I came to work one day and everybody had gotten their name up on their on the. Um, on the dressing rooms, uh -huh. they put mine in masking tape. <laughs> so that's oh, when yeah. I knew well, it was going well. Well, towards the end of Seinfeld, when I knew I was gone, every day, the last few months, I would take more and more stuff home from my office. So the last day, I didn't have to put things in a box. <laughs> I knew I was gone. And Jerry and Larry, they never said... I remember the. I knew it, it didn't work. I went thanks for the opportunity because the editing room was the next one. Oh yeah, yeah. They didn't say sorry. It didn't work out. But you, you also remember that Larry at the end of the year there was this whole thing about him possibly not coming back the following year. So they kept telling people, you know, if you have other offers, go out and take them because we don't know what's going on. Do you remember? No, I don't remember that. Oh, they, they just fired you. They, they, okay, they, well, they, they knew there was no always, other offers. They always said they were going to quit. Jerry and, and was, Larry were, said they we're just going to do one year and we're going to go. And that's it. that's it. And that's what he was doing. And then he went off to Europe, which was strange enough. <laughs> but he said, I'm not making any decisions till I come back. And everybody, like, fend for themselves. So I actually, I got a call from uh, Tony Danza. And he said, I'm doing a new show. Hudson Park or Hudson? Hudson Street. Yeah. Which, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Good show? Excellent. Um, but they offered me three times as much money. And they offered your nemesis a shitload of money, too. He it turned wasn't it, my nemesis. He, but I don't want to mention his name. Yes. Right? We're not doing that. Well, no. They offered he turned him. it down. Wow. He turned it down. I so he could stay with Fred? on Seinfeld, too? What was your nemesis on? Seinfeld? Yeah, he was the yeah. guy that was the guy my was negative mentor, uh. going, bro, bro, let me. And he, he, you did this at run-throughs. He would squat down with his and be very concerned and and, and make faces. Go, I don't know, bro. He would just. Uh, so he does this. That you know, I'll, I'll tell you. Oh man, I'm really outing him. But he was in another memoir where the the, the author didn't use his name. But that really? memoir was bigger than my book because he because he would curse him out. Yeah, a guy. Uh, oh, I think I know where you go. Yeah. Okay. So my memoir, I only got sued by one person. I think it didn't do that well. I would have been like yelled at by a lot more if it did well. But uh, so this guy would call him up and go, "You cause such stress," and 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 say, "Now my kid is sick. I have a dying kid." Then it turned out he made that up. So, uh, yeah. So. What else? Uh, so, we, we just because I have OCD, what's the oncologist little story? Oh, I mean, it was just, you know, it was sort of a sad story. She got this call from her oncologist that her last bunch of blood tests and scans were not good and that her cancer had returned and that, like, I, was, I had, like, one ear in there. I was trying to hear what was going on, and they basically told her, you know, you're fucked. Uh -huh. And so she started to cry, and so I went in there and I tried to comfort her. Oh, I, said, I remember you hugged her. I hugged and her, you're, which I loved it because Carol, and uh, the Carol, um, Marjorie, and, and Carol Marjorie wasn't a, a touchy-feely, huggy person, and and I don't think you are. So it was sweet seeing the two you hug. I, I hugged her, yeah, and uh, I didn't know. And then I thought, you know what? The fuck am I doing here? I mean, Larry should be aware of what's going on here. So I went into his office because I didn't follow your rules. I just walked in. Right. And uh, I said, I got to tell you, I think Marjorie just got some bad news, and she's on the phone crying, and you should go in there. And he just sat there. I said, no, you're not listening to me. I said, you should go in there. Said, what do you mean? I said, go in there. And he said, oh, okay. So he, he goes in there, and he did the attempted hug. Like he, uh, I thought you said, she'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
She, he, I mean, <laughs> as in the hallway, walking towards the, uh, you know, he said, right. oh, she'll be fine. What are you, are you overreacting? <laughs> I said, no, I think she's like, she's fucked. I said, you should go. There. You know, so he goes in there, basically, and it was like typical Larry. It's like, you know, he, I'm motioning to him from the doorway to, like, go in. Go, go in. further in. Deeper. Go further <laughs> in. And then, like, after about 20 minutes, he gave her, like, that half a hug. Oh. And uh, Well, I, she came back the next year for a little bit, then sadly, um, yeah, she passed away. Yeah. And, uh, and, but, then, and then Carol took, never mind. <laughs> well, all right. Now, when you talk about credits, I had a thing where she, well, you know, okay, so with the... the Read between the lines, Charles. That that Carol took a storyline? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Oh, uh, man. I didn't say it. Well, I did. Dirty no. business. Um, really? I didn't know that. It's wow. worse. Huh? Nothing. It, it, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that nobody, was... Nobody wants to say anything, but... Um, he and I are making Write it eye down contact. And I'll say yeah, it. it's like we're nodding at each other. He knows the story. I know the story. I think you sort of know the story, and we'll just, I guess, leave it at that. Right, right, right. It was, it was weird with the. the cr- I don't know that Carol gave her a hug. <sighs> so what's your? Uh, so who do you know from this world um, that we're talking about from New York, Larry? A lot of these people, Charles. I know Larry from, uh, from that party. <laughs> and uh, you let, know, me, let me tell you, I, Shapiro and West, me. they used to represent me. Yeah. They were so effective, they couldn't get my spec script to Larry. <laughs> That's because they were parked too far away. Charles, they couldn't walk it over. Charles, to me, he puts himself down more than I do. He's more self-deprecating, but you were like... You were legendary, I think, in the New York scene. You were part of the comedy cellar, now the biggest comedy club in the country or I mean for stand up working out. It is out. the biggest comedy club and certainly in New York now, at this point. Now it is, yeah. yeah. You 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 created a job as the accompanist in the I early... created the role of a of a sidekick, musical sidekick to the MC as a way of keeping a job. So you had no idea when the comedy cell started it would be the biggest like, Well it wasn't for a long time. It wasn't right. until it's this we little all left. dingy thing, yeah. But they had free food. And I remember you were like, there was, once in a while a casting agent would come to New York, and people came to look for the TV version pilot of Diner. And, oh, yeah. And you scored, and he was this guy, This he reminded me of uh, Jesse Eisenberg when you were younger, this charming guy <laughs> with curly hair and so charming, and, and they grabbed you to L.A., and you were on a pilot, and you were you were the guy where Charles got plucked out of New York. and uh, They were grabbing comics in the mid-'90s. Well, this was in the 80s. In the 80s, yeah. Yeah, so you were like, Charles oh, was the, too early, Charles. See, it was, too, it was scary to come to New York. Amber, you did that, or did you do that? Um, it was very scary to be a New York comic and just come to L.A. You had to be plucked. Yeah, were, I heard that. and you I, plucked, I think it's sort of No, I you was just not came. plucked. Oh. You're like, I, I got in. I still haven't been plucked. But you only get one shot at being, like, the hot new guy. Right. Because I, I actually got flown out by NBC. They had never seen me. They just had heard that CBS had flown me out, and they didn't want to lose out. So you only get that once. And then they find out who you are, and they go, oh. But that, that, that breaks the cherry of this coming, see, making a I think it would help a lot. You know, like, but once you're there, yeah. It's really So what's worse, to come out and try on your own? And fail or be plucked. Well, yeah, it's hard. It's it's and when you live in New York. Sorry Harder. to interrupt her question. I'll shut up. I think it's better to be plucked and fail because when you're it's in a the, bigger high and bigger low. Right. But the other part is like a long. And, and being plucked, there's the some guaranteed longest. money too. Yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. guaranteed. Not guaranteed money, Sam. But you know where to go. Like just to come out. All right, I'm in L. A. Now. How do I get an agent? How do I get spots at a comedy club? Ooh. How do I do this? I, I was in New York. It's dizzying. But if you like. Like Charles, maybe he said he had his one shot, but then there's a tension at the improv. So Bud Friedman is aware of him. So now he's part of the improv and gets spots there and has an agent and has auditions. So even though the big CBS deals didn't work out, you had an agent and you were auditioning. See, I was in New York as a uh, stand-up till 88, and I was always afraid because you don't know what L.A. is like. You just think, wow, everyone in the world is out there, the most competitive place in the world. How would I start? So I wrote... I was a staff writer on 13 Weeks. David Brenner had a sitcom, a, a, a talk, talk show. show. Talk show. And I was supposed to be the Chris Elliott. It didn't work out. 
But because it had a William Morris agent, they would they would William Morris in New York would sign about seven or eight people. Like it was me, Lou DiMaggio, a bunch of New York people, and they'd have a showcase. So this guy Fred Suss was an agent. Heard, oh, you 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 were at the Brenda show, and I lied. Go, yeah, I didn't tell him I was just let go. So I was part of the William Morris new. Uh, you know, thing. And so I was a part of it, their demo reel. And then I got plucked to do Dom DeLuise had a show where he'd be a barber and would cut your hair and you would tell your jokes. Not a big deal, oh, but but the, so I, I came out with an agent for a pilot season. So I remember there was this guy, Stevie Ray Fromstein, and he goes, yeah, we could be roommates. So then after a week, he goes, nothing personal. I like my own space. Can you leave? So I said, all right. So I took the first apartment I saw in Hayworth. And I said, all right, I guess I moved here. But that was my in, my pluck, that I had an agent and could go up for pilot season. Let me ask you this. This sure. is my, I have a theory that if you wanted to make like millions of dollars. Sure. Guaranteed. Sign every comic, young comic, as a, an, as a, to a deal and you're, an, you're a manager. They do that. I know. Comedy club owners do that. That's right. And then Everyone. somebody will hit. Yeah, they all do somebody's that. Somebody's Jimmy Miller. Somebody's uh, yeah. those guys at the comedy club. There were so many uh, yeah, managers and big ones that were doormen at comedy clubs. And um, yeah, so it's... Uh, yeah. And you don't have to do anything because comics are self-generated. They don't. It's not like an actor who needs a part. Comics do their own homework. Right, right, right. Amber, I wanted to ask sorry. you. Oh, sorry. Oh, you got you got a big text. No, sorry. I thought it was. Oh, I'll answer it. Answer. It. <laughs> it's my friend. Now, okay. I said last week what I love about Amber is that she's so free and open and no pretenses. But on Twitter, she does jokes about needing attention and and I just for the first time saw that show at midnight. You know the Chris Hardwick thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now it's obviously so obvious that. There's writers and they're pretending they're coming up. Now, what is that thing where all these comedians on Twitter do? They they do a thing and you do punt and you get mad at the at midnight guy. Tell me about that. The one someone correlates the best ones. And oh, I just like the somebody runs the at midnight. So there's like a hashtag and everybody tries to do the best, like ruin a movie. So you do, you know, puns and wordplay, and then you let at midnight. Have you have you guys seen the show at midnight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just mess because I know people run the at midnight account. So I start joking about whoever's running the at midnight Twitter yeah. account. But yeah, they just you get points and there's an opportunity. Well, you for get some... points. You mean people at home? Yeah, like people are trying to get at midnight's attention, and it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so they either retweet it or they give you points. So you get tweet. mad at who's doing it? I'm not mad. I'm I, just joking. What, what, I just oh. like do an impression. What can of, you do with the points? You got like a dartboard? Or? I think your tweet could be on the show. They'll feature it. Like, oh, last week's winner. Oh. This. So you, they'll show your name, and. For a lot of Twitter personalities, there's an opportunity for you to actually be on the show. They're mostly Twitter, comedians. Twitter but... personalities? Oh, yeah. my God. Word. It's a thing. There's, there's Vine thing. personalities Vine. that make so much money. Oh, yeah. Vine. Vine people. Six-second videos. YouTube stars are millionaires. It's, I know. It's, it's crazy. Wow. Volume. I um Just yep. throw darts at the board and see what hits. I want to... um. There's this thing that people sort of liked in my book. Now, the thing is, Jerry... He doesn't need us here. <laughs> uh, I thought it'd be funny to read one page. Do of it. it, do it. Okay, do so it. but it, it, so the thing is, the, the He's Jerry so story... sensitive. What happened to you? <laughs> the Jerry stories were the hardest to come up with because he didn't have flaws. I remember I'd pitch an idea... And Larry would go, Jerry doesn't care about money. He's not erotic. I remember one time I, I, I pitched an idea. One time I pitched a thing, and Larry approved of it. He goes, why would George do that? I go, you approved of it. Like, then he got lazier or something. Yeah. There was one where Jerry was on a cruise, and he took George along. And George was so neurotic about, like, a woman that he kept phoning in Wait for messages. Minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It, this is the soft cover version of your book? This is called an advanced reading copy. Because you sold I, I, me the hard copy. You dragged uh, me into Barnes and Nobles. I paid $25 for a book. <laughs> I ran out. I give them away to everybody. Didn't I give you one, Charles? You did give me one. And, and I got to give one to Amber, but Wait I ran out. I bought like a handful that day. Well, I had run out. Oh, my God. All right. I, um, 
Snooze, you lose. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. You, are on. you selling a lot? How do you know how many people buy them? Do He's personally them? selling them at the Grove. <laughs> I, I stand out. I did have He's the king of the Grove. Uh, have you been to the Grove with him? She He's was. Yeah. When yeah. I talked to the TMZ people. He's, He's the, the mayor. mayor. He stalks the TMZ people. <laughs> I... I I once was standing at the table where they had my book, and there was a woman. I go, hey, that's me, and she bought the book. I, it's he's, sad. He's like, he's it's, like, it's like Orchard Street with you, like Delancey Street with the tube socks. <laughs> you can't go into Barnes & Nobles without him, like, chokeholding you. <laughs> all right, all right. This, I thought this would be a little funny bit, but it's not. Do it. Me talk oh, no, to you. Do it. You know, Commit. I think we're having better conversations. Do it. Listen to me. It, it took go. me three hours to drive here. Just do it. Oh, Come my on. God. I, Come on. I owe you lunch. Yeah. I, th- I could sooner get free food at the Chinese <laughs> restaurant. Come on. Do it. <laughs> See, this banter's funnier than... Uh, Dude, I want to hear a story. We're, we're, we're running out of... And then the, we're we're, you we're not running out of conversation. I, okay, so basically, when I, was, uh, when I was a stand-up, do you remember... I did this thing called non-jokes. Like, they sound like jokes, but they just miss. She was so fat, her... Sister worked for the phone company. You know, so poor we had a blue car. We were so far we could only afford a blue car. You have to emphasize. So, so sometimes you got to see Amber's face an... as you're telling these jokes. He <laughs> said that like Rain Man. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> she just gave a look like. You know, every show, Amber can attest this different. We had people, they've come to terms with their life, they're happy. You know, this one is two miserable people. Not you, Charles. Not but, you, Charles. Uh, no. Get out, Charles. You're too well, happy. Charles, I gotta, could I? Yeah, Charles is I'm gonna just say one, can I say something? Amber is miserable? No, it's uh, these I two. Know. So basically, it's you. It's just me. It always no. is. Charles, I gotta give you credit that he, in the 80s, I didn't know what depression was. I didn't know I was depressed. <laughs> and so everyone you, goes, what? So you killed yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but you are helping people that are depressed these days, aren't you? I have. Could I have your card? <laughs> I have some friends who are depressed. Well, because you went through it, and you don't want people to go through what you went through. Uh, I, I do the same it? thing. Come on, Charles. Right. I don't know what you're going through, man. Oh, my God. If, uh, after the show, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> thing. He, he, he dragged all the way to Raleigh for this. This is depression. Oh, my God. Uh, all right. I was trying to get serious. What? I give, I give them some of my meds. You do? No, no. You did a Ooh, fundraiser for a guy. He... You're really into him and this other great woman, Leah Krensky, are taking the stigma away from depression and, and medicine. Isn't that correct? I don't, what's Leah doing? She's really an advocate of taking the stigma away, but I don't think she's raised money like you have. Wait a minute. Well, I just had a friend who, I, who needed money, I mean, who needed help, and there isn't, any, there isn't any free help today. People think there is, but— It's called GoFundMe. Yeah. I and, mean, uh, this, no, no, this, that's what I have. I'm telling you, this is what's insane now. In this country, uh-huh. this is a big thing for me. Like, this is a huge thing in terms of, like, national health coverage and the, I mean, it's like, that's like my thing. Well, I, well what's your thing? Are you no, clarify? I'm just talking about that, uh, like, for years and years and years, you know, I've, like, I'm dealt with a situation at home where somebody well, couldn't see. get covered. Because of a pre-existing condition. Get out of here. If I told you the entire story, I mean, I... So for, she's, had, she's had the cancer for about 12 years at least, so it's... Fifteen. And without insurance? No, no, no. When I was in the guild... I see. Obviously, like... You have insurance. I was covered. But then there was a year that suddenly I didn't right. qualify. And then the shit hit the fan. And what I had to do to assure that, I mean, you know, so I basically got tossed from the guild. And... And they took half my pension. And, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, there's like a whole story behind this. So anyway, what I'm saying is is that in this country, with everything that we have going on here, I saw today, uh, you know, I mean, we shouldn't have to have GoFundMe campaigns right. to yeah. pay for people's medical bills. I mean, that's, that's insane. That's insane. I mean, you know, we are ranked like 43rd. I hate to be a downer here. No, but, but worldwide, as opposed to me, as opposed to how I usually am. As opposed to me talking about, dude, the the Broncos, yeah. But the fact that that you know we have to fight to make sure that people get medical coverage. I like when they give when they go fund me like like that woman who got teased on the bus by the kids. Like a, a middle-aged woman, right? So she got like two hundred thousand dollars from people just, right, right. just raised it for her. Oh, look what happened in Indiana just now. You know, with the pizza parlor. Oh, they had to go fund me for the cop that killed the guy yeah. in the back. They, they had to go fund me for the for the pizza owner who didn't want to serve right. the gay couple in Indiana, and they gave him a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's but you can't get uh, you know chemo drugs. Do you like Obamacare? 
Yeah, I just don't think it went far enough. I mean, yeah. he wanted it to go much further than that, and it wanted to be a single-payer situation, and it's not. Yeah, it was supposed right. to be a first step. Yeah. Right. You know, and they've done everything they can to destroy it, but, you know, he's the only guy who's been able to, like, get that through, and it's been a lifesaver for so many people. What people don't understand is that just because they now have the insurance, they think they're home free. When oh, they, no. And then they find out, wait a minute, this doctor doesn't take it. He's not participating. Oh, there are people... Co-pays, deductibles, and out-of-pockets. Oh, please. And next thing you know, you know, you're going in for an ear check, and it's $13,000. No, there are people, their jobs are to try to think of ways to not give you the insurance, who work for the insurance. Right. I'm not saying anything, yeah, yeah. people don't know. I am like, okay, so I'm, we're off track here, but... You know. No, I don't know what the track is. No, I just... There's no track. I, I just, you know, I think Charles is going through a... is a brave guy, and... Uh, and I just I just don't like my friends dying. Yeah. So I try to keep them alive if I can. Yeah, yeah. That's sweet. Everyone's so sweet. Yeah. Well, you could see how I my... tried to help Marjorie. She lasted another twelve hours. I mean, you know, I did all I could do though. It was just your hug. <laughs> the hug killed her. But you see, you, what, what was the thing when you said I forgot the story? Me, you, and Marjorie went to buy a basketball. Yeah. What was the story? Yeah, we went across the street to Big Five on Ventura Boulevard because we thought we'd shoot baskets. So and it was how much waiting to come time. up with a story. Lines. Yeah. Uh, was there a hoop? Did you guys have uh, a hoop? There was a the weird lot. hoop. Yeah, on the, on the lot, there was a hoop. I remember on the Radford lot, we, I remember one time uh, Gary Shandling's show was being filmed there. and you, Oh, we were surrounded by Roseanne and what was Brett Butler. Brett Butler. One time Roseanne oh. and Brett Butler were sitting at a table and they were banging the table because the sugar wouldn't come out and, and you know, just two kind of, you know, volatile people. But, uh, oh, that was, that was a lot of action on that lot. Oh, yeah. I remember you, you, they were filming a scene where Gary Shandling was sitting in a limo and right. you thought he was, you go, what a pompous asshole <laughs> sitting in a limo. <laughs> He's sitting in a limo. That's right. Yeah, and it was just a part of the show. I said, let's go up to him and tell him to get the fuck out of the car. I mean, would you have to sit in the limo and make a phone call? I said, look at this fucking idiot. And they were filming. <laughs> I love how angry he is, and all the time. And uh, like I said, he was the one solace I would go to when I was just going. I don't know what to do, and I'd, and I'd wander into his office. But like I said, as the year went, the office was shut. But why didn't you, why didn't you pick shut. him as your mentor then, instead of that other guy? <laughs> I think I would have lasted shorter. Yeah. Uh, he would have told me to spit in someone's face or something. Yeah, I yeah. It, he did the right thing in going with the other guy. <laughs> that worked out well. I, do you remember talking? I I don't play golf. Larry was did you know, all these golf guys. Ray Romano does it too, where they do those imaginary golf swings all day. Well, Larry also seemed to have arm issues too, wasn't he? Always sort of like rotating his arm. Like, I, I don't know if it was from excessive that. masturbation or the golf. I, I'm not <laughs> sure what it was, but he. Was, what do you mean excessive? Stuff. What's excessive, yeah. God, Charles, now you have a beautiful... Now, Charles gives me inspiration because, like me... Well, you were just about to say he had a beautiful something. Beautiful wife. That's For 19 years, he lived in a little apartment. Not little, on Cahuenga. Like me thinking, I don't live in Cahuenga, thinking this is where I'll be forever. And then you said you painted the place, and then you got married, you have two kids. So you keep... So I've tried that where I go, oh... You fix it up and she'll come. I did. I tried contrary action, which was I'd lived there for 20 years, uh-huh. and I had the I redecorated a rental apartment, which is just dumb to do. I've anyway. tried that, and uh, I, you know I got married at 46. Okay, so, so that was oh well, well. I'm yeah okay. Well, I, I did that. I did that with my place. I I paid for my own toilet. I didn't like the <laughs> toilet. I thought I want a better toilet and a rental place. My parents had a rent-controlled apartment, tenement apartment in Brooklyn. They lived there for 65 years. Never painted it once because my father wouldn't let anyone in. <laughs> he said, I'm not doing the work for the landlord. I'm not painting this fucking place. I'm not putting any money into this. I said, no, they'll paint this. No, 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 no. I don't trust them. No. You know, so 65 years, the floor fell in. The ceiling came down. I mean, it was like he wouldn't let anybody in. But so Charles, he painted, and now he's got a, a dog, a house. I I owe you an apology. I did something you don't remember, but I was so embarrassed at how rude I was to you. Oh, yeah, I remember that. What did he do? I don't know. Okay, what I did was... Uh, Fred Rude? Uh, okay, so I used, to, I used to bump into Charles. I used to sometimes, to break up the monotony, I would just drive to, and go to supermarkets in the valley just cause to get out of my rut. That's how pathetic I am. I always walk around the farmer's market. I'll go to a kookaroo or a chicken California thing. Well, on I used to do pars at 4 in the morning. 
I, I woke up wide awake. He saw my Facebook. I, 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 I couldn't sleep, so I was in Dupar's all by myself, and I had a pancake, and uh, then I, have, I went back to sleep. I have run into you in more places than anybody that I've ever known. And I don't. And you go, what are you doing here? You don't live here. And I, I to me, it's an adventure going over Laurel Canyon and going to different realms. <laughs> and it's it's sad. Or just to uh, so I'd bump into you, and one time, and this is the rudest thing I've done. And I felt, and I apologize. I don't know if I apologized, but like you know, here's a guy, and you admit, you know, you've had, you know, jobs since leaving showbiz, right? And there's nothing to be ashamed of, you know. And Wait, is, is, has Charles like officially had that press conference where he's like retired? No, no, I've just been an uh, exile. Right, it's different. Right, right, yeah. but I'm saying. So I bumped into him once, and he was there like being a regular guy with his brother-in-law. Hey, and we're doing this, and we're shopping for a picnic and all this. And I said, how do you have a house in the Valley? I went, oh, um, your, your parents are doctors. That's right. And I go, what a fucking asshole. Like, it's none of my business if they give you money for your house. And I so apologize for being such Wait an asshole. He hasn't sat here and said anybody gave money for his house. Though. He probably didn't. I rent. Okay, uh, I'm wrong on every account. I always want. But to you know apologize. what? My brother-in-law recognized you, and he was just, like, he thought he, you know, he saw a star in Hollywood. He was, just, he was right. very happy. So I don't it's, remember the other part. Did you think it was rude? Do you even remember it? He didn't to remember think that Fred was rude. Like you know, I guess that's nice of you. You probably just thought I was clueless, and uh, no, he didn't remember. I didn't. I don't think I said it in a mean way. I go, how do you? Because he used to do a joke. He used to go, born free. My father's a doctor. Hence why he's exiled. You did the jokes. No. I, uh, Remember that somebody, joke? Yes. Yeah, some, some comedian, I'm not going to name him, but uh, I, once I had a problem financially, something like that, I was, oh, I always thought you like had Jew money. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> I think uh, it's the guy in the farmer's market table. Yeah. I knew it. There's a guy. Uh, no, no, that's not who it was. Okay. I, uh, oh, Mazursky? No, no, no. There's some aggressive comedians this morning table. I don't uh, like like their. Uh, so, so you see, Amber, how it, it's all already like now. Now he is a pioneer. See, see, I did my research. You had a successful web series on Crackle before it became a big thing, right? Yes, actually, first big uh, big series called Starving. Oh, with David Fastino. Entire cast are married with children, <laughs> and um, um, who else was on it? Gilbert. You got to yeah. see Gilbert. I saw it. I saw it. And nothing. Uh, he wrote this uh, funny web series for Crackle before it cracked. See, yeah, now it's on it. Hulu. Okay, and it's it was really funny, and it was just so. 15 million hits. Gross. Wow. Like, they had one Show. thing where it was his naked ass, but... Not mine. No, no. Lastinos. Yeah. And, and they made it like like shit was hanging out of it yeah. or toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. Oh, every, every episode there was like, there were <laughs> shit problems. Right. So as good a writer as you are when Gilbert was on, I could guess the lines he improvised. Like, they had a... a I'm going to tell you something. What? He didn't improvise anything. Okay, then I guessed wrong. No, I'm just saying that's what was amazing. Okay, I okay, mean, because... they were getting defensive for? Because I don't want to hurt your feelings. You're not hurting my feelings. Okay. I'm, no, I'm just telling you. Hey, story. guys, cool down. All right. Hey, hey. He, Gilbert had a mentally challenged son. Four more minutes. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, he had a, a... On the show. Right. He had a 300-pound... 35-year-old mentally challenged son. Right. And the premise was that Dave Faustino had to babysit him. Right. And Gilbert goes, they get medals. I Special Olympics. Great line. Yeah. Special, Special Olympics. Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. So I seem like, yeah. I know, I'm knowing from what I know from Gilbert, but, um, but yeah, you created that, so... Um, I'm having fun, isn't it? This is fun. Yeah. He's, he's, he's good. <laughs> I like angry people who don't care anymore. And my other shows, I, I had care. people saying who were miserable to work with. So that, that you can't ask for more. Well, the angry is. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying there's angry where you all feel really uncomfortable because and there's entertaining really, anger. That's right. right. He's, he I like owns to his think anger. I'm under that category. You're very Absolutely. entertaining. Entertaining anger. But we still like to know who you don't like working with besides me. Could I, you throw in a quick story? I loved working with you. No, I'm making making a joke. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, I didn't like it that much. It was, that no. Was okay. No, we got, listen, I think we, in a way we sort of like you saved did, each other a little bit. Yeah, no, you were the only one I bonded with on that show. Oh, actually, one guy gave me a job. No, Carol, can I shouldn't say bad things. She gave me a job on uh, All Right Already. 
So I'm I'm defending Carol Leifer. Great lady. There okay. you go. Okay. okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I don't remember any of us saying anything bad about her. No, do you? Nobody no. said a word. No. No. You. Well, you were the one who. I said I didn't say anything. I'll tell you. Oh, you want to hear a story? Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you a story. I don't have any proof about anything. Okay. This is just like only what I sort sure. of saw. We're wrapping it up, Aaron. Don't worry. See the clock. I don't know. I wrote one of the shows. One of the episodes I wrote at Seinfeld. Like they were ready to go, and the sets were built, and it was. Tuesday and they started to shoot in two days and mm -hmm. like I was like I thought you know maybe I'll bring my parents in just to from see the this. tenement fly from the tenement in. you know it's <laughs> like know. it's a long bus ride I had them leave like ten days earlier <laughs> come on come across country and then Larry calls me into the office like three hours before shooting starts we're not gonna do it and I said why he said oh something happened something happened I swear to God she said something so this is speculation yes purely. Okay. <laughs> that Carol said something? That said, okay. but why do you speculate this? Because I got a lot of free time, and that's what All I right. do. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good story. I'm just saying. It's like, All right. So you, you, were, angry, you were angry? No, at, there was no reason. Like, wouldn't you give somebody a reason? Like, okay, NBC said, no, you can't have that happen, or, you know. Did you say to Larry, why aren't you doing my episode? The sets are built? Y yeah. And what was his reason? He said something happened. Okay. Yeah. I said, what? And then, of course, the follow-up question ordinarily would be, like, what happened? And why didn't you ask that? I just said I did. And did you I hug said, him right. like you hugged Marjorie? I, I, I hugged him around <laughs> his throat. <laughs> I said, you don't understand. My parents were on a Greyhound bus. They're going to be here any minute. So it's like, what am I going to do, send them back? No. So, uh... Were you still going to get credit for that episode? Um, well, you get, I got paid for it. If that's yeah, but I mean, your parents know the difference? Um, no, but I'll tell you one quick funny story. Sure, sure. Aaron, usually they come in when they're, 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 they're ready. Or uh, Can we just do one more story? Okay, yeah, okay. Anyway, when I first got to Seinfeld, you know, I guess I did things a little bit differently. You know, everybody that <laughs> sent the checks through agents and things like that, right. I went into the... No, I used to get my check. The guy, Mr. Wu or something. Mr. Wu, right? A Chinese accountant. So you did the same thing I yeah, did? Yeah, I go, where's my check? I, I didn't did have. too. I, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I had you, Ari Emanuel, who's famous for being on Entourage. Yeah, he was my agent. Too. Yeah, he said, uh, I'm not going to take a commission. I just want to cultivate a relationship. Then when he saw I'm not like an aggressive go-getter, he stopped uh, cultivating me, stopped returning <laughs> my calls. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, so he was my agent, too, but I didn't want the money going to him. So right. I figured, you know what? I said, give me the checks. And they said, well, that's not how it's done here. I said, yeah, that's how it's done now. <laughs> so I collected a bunch of checks, and my grandmother at the time was like 90 years old, and she was living at this home over here on Mar Martell. Uh -huh. And she always thought I was the biggest loser of all time. She used to, like, call me a fagula, like, because <laughs> I wasn't married. and you know. Well, she could call me that. Yeah. So I was like, and, and she had this other grandson, biggest fuck-up of all time, right. who was her favorite. <laughs> you know, in and out of rehab, sold cutlery on the side. I mean, like a a disaster, but he was her favorite. So I said, oh, fuck this old lady. I'm going to show her. Bring my check. <laughs> Your Seinfeld check. Yeah. So I took, I had four checks. They were like $42,000 in my pocket. I went to the home and I slapped Wait, them. Wait, that's $10,000 an episode. I didn't make that much. Oh, I made a lot. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Otherwise, I wasn't coming. Was right. she proud of you? I made two twenty five hundred that day. That day. Yeah. I put that, all that money in front of her and she said, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. Wow. I said, fuck you. <laughs> this is great. Usually we're not rushed, but Sam, no, seriously, I, I love this. Isn't this fun, Amber? Yeah. He's a character. Only in showbiz because someone like me calls someone else a character. <laughs> and But Charles, we didn't get a chance to talk about what's under the hat. Would you ever talk about personal stuff? Sure. He has a yarmulke under the hat. You, you, you became, and your wife, uh, what's the word, transcribed for you or converted? Not for me. Wait, are you are you Orthodox? Yeah. Is is it recent or has it always been that way? Uh, like the last eight or ten years. Wow. And uh, I find, but I love him because he That's doesn't cool. proselytize it. He doesn't he doesn't seem more Jewish. But we we we, we, we actually what, Orthodox. What Orthodox Jew would wear a Cincinnati red baseball cap though? Um, Can there be a less Jewish city <laughs> than that? In Cincinnati. Yeah. Are you from there? No, my brother is, but. Uh, Oh, so he stayed in... Has no, no, he's in, since, he's in... He moved there. Oh, like, he moved there. And he's been there. Oh, okay. I, um... Now I'm trying to think of a Jew who played for I, the I, I, Nobody. I no, think it was Mar Marchand. Kosher places have great Chinese food, and that was a good place. 
that, but they but they had bad, but they add the tip. Oh, that's a bad they, place. They add the tip to the, your check, yeah. so that's a Jewish thing to do. Not only did they not have Jews, but the owner was a Nazi. Was a Nazi, yeah. an actual Nazi. Yeah, she was. Well, it's right, a good hat. Wrap it up. Well, well, wrap it up. This is the All Things Comedy Network. They support them. Buy the merch on the thing because they're supporting the studio I ruined with water. My, uh, what do you have to plug, Sam, if anyone's listening? Uh, what do I have to plug? Um, just lamp. I, okay. I got stuff going on. You know, well, I don't have anything. Amber Tozer on Twitter. Anything, Amber? Um, no, just follow me on Twitter. Amber Tozer, T-O-Z-E-R. I got it right this time. Yeah, you did. Uh, because oh, here's what you can do with me. What? You can friend request me on Facebook at Sam Henry Cast, but I probably won't accept. I accept everyone. I know you do. I got to uh, talk to you about that, too. Okay. You got some fucking collection. A bunch of nuts. <laughs> it's unbelievable. A bunch of characters. Yeah. Uh, and Charles? Uh, I'll accept you, too. Will you, will you, will you come back here? You, I, I know it's a far drive, but you're so entertaining. Oh, you just said Charles, will you come back? Oh, here? all of you. Amber, I think, will. Yeah. Okay. How far do you have to drive, Amber? It's like 15 minutes. I'm in West Hollywood. Amber will be back. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I will be back too. I, I, sure usually we're not rushed. We've done longer ones. I had. I, I was going to read all the Johnny these. Rockets. This was that a, was good though. This that was, was my premise thing from Seinfeld. It's all right. Oh, you so, still have those? We'll do it. Yeah, time. yeah. So, the, my, too. if this made sense to you, my Kindle single is called "My Seinfeld Year." And it's on Amazon. It's what it was like writing. Oh, you know what I was going to do, and I won't do it now. And Kenny Kramer uh, supports this book. Don't uh, mention that name. I, Someone did the audio for my my um, what's it called my um, audio book. My audio book. I was going to play a little oh, bit about funny. it, but that so I'll funny. do it next time. Um, thank you, thank you, Aaron, so much for working so hard. And uh, this is number four. I, I'm stockpiling these. Very good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.